you have to be tough when you're in the Marines. You've just got to have that resilience and go through. No matter what situation comes in front of you, keep ploughing through, ploughing through. You are serving your purpose as a frontline soldier and fantastic, you're doing the job. Where the problem arises is when you stop doing that job. So when you leave, whether that's whether you've been forced to leave, whether you've left out of choice, whether your time's done, it doesn't matter. Once you stop, that's when all those things that you've maybe just ploughed through because you have to, because that's your job, that's when you've got to start dealing with them. Welcome to the Healthy Beast, Sam Laird. Now, I pronounced that right, it's L-A-I-R-D. With my accent, I'll never get it quite right. You sounded but... right there, you sounded good. So you were, you were a Royal Marines Commando. I want to talk about what you're doing now, so mentoring and coaching since you've left the Royal Marines. But we got to know each other through this charity that we're both involved with, Reorg. And you were telling me we spoke before about how Reorg, is a guy called Sam Sheriff started it, and it's a charity that helps not just former servicemen, but principally former servicemen. And it uses martial arts to kind of help people with the difficulties everyone has readjusting to civilian life. But is it, it was an important thing in your life. Yeah, it was massively. So, yeah, when I left the military, I struggled to transition like I think most people do. I think at first when you leave the military, you kind of leave on a, a high in excitement because it's a new adventure, new challenges. But I think you very quickly realise that it's a very different world in, in Civvy Street than it is in the military world, especially for me. I joined us from the age of like signed up 16, joined 17 and I left at 30. So I'd never lived an adult life in Civilian Street. And then when I left, I actually moved to Chorley where I'm at now and I didn't really know anyone. So I ended up living in a one bedroom flat on my own with no one around me like, whoa, what do I do here? Because obviously I moved here for my, my daughter to be a more full time dad. So I got back into to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which obviously is what Reorg's all about. You know, that just offers instantly uh, that community, the physical aspect of it. The fact that you have to, you know, it really opens up new pathways in your brain because you're constantly having to problem solve all the time. You know, every time you go in there, you, you can roll with the same person every day. You're still having to problem solve different things all the time on how to how to submit them in a different way or how to get out of a submission. So your brain's constantly being used in a different way. So, you know, people going about meditation, thinking you've got to sit in silence for 20 minutes, but... You know, many people treat what Rio do on the mats as their meditation. You know, that you can't think about, as I've said before, you can't think about problems in life when you're uh, and you've got some bloke trying to <laughs> strangle your unconscious. Um, yeah, other people, yeah. sorry to interrupt, I think other people probably find that quite hard, don't they? If you've not done martial arts and you're thinking, well, meditation is all about staying still and, and, you know, kind of breathe in and out and not do very much. But this idea that actually fighting and having someone trying to, choke your unconscious or break your arms with meditation I think would be weird for of people yeah it must be quite hard to understand but it's just I guess uh, it's an escapism as well isn't it I mean you've got to be careful if you have got issues that you don't just escape them and run away but it definitely has its purpose in a, in a day-to-day basis you know everybody's got their go-tos to what's good for their own mental health and or how they deal with things and you know some people come home and have a glass of wine you know other people go to the gym. So, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, what Riog talks about, it's just a healthy coping mechanism. And for you, what was it particularly that you found hard? I mean, was it the lack of camaraderie or was it not knowing kind of what to do next? Is or was it just... Yeah, for me, identity. You know, I didn't realise at the time, but the Marines had given me identity. It had given me purpose. 
And when I left that, essentially it was finding out who I am again. And interestingly, what I found is the more I looked, well, I mean, we'll talk about it maybe further on, but, you know, I came to my faith, but I kind of almost went full circle in who I was because I had to look right back at who I am as a person. And that led me back to, you know, I started martial arts at 11 doing judo. And I thought, do you know what? I must really love that because I really wanted to do it as a child. I was hungry to do it as a child. And then obviously that led on to then doing MMA and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and some boxing. I just thought, well, those things are good for me. Let's let's go back to that. So that's how I got back into the BJJ after having a couple of years out. Although I did have a couple of years out because of injuries. But so you start, but you started martial arts as a kid, and then you're in the you're in the Royal Marines. This is the one that non-military people maybe find hard is that you to 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 understand so you left when you were 30 you said and you've been in since you're a kid 16 17 i think a lot of us you look back to when you're that age and most of us weren't joining the military and going off doing dangerous things around the world but you know you're you're a little kid at that age compared to what you are at 30 so you've basically done a lot of your growing up yeah i mean from the start of you know so just maybe going back to why I joined the Marines, there was a guy called Manny, John Henry Manuel. He did judo when I did judo as a kid. And me and my best mate, Mega, looked up to him. He had a black belt and he used to run in late every Friday for, to a session. Um, and it's, as he was travelling down from 4-5 Commando in Scotland all the way down to Durham. And uh, he kind of inspired us to, to sign up and join up. So chased him for his black belt, got my black belt the same year, got my Green Beret. So when I signed up for the Marines, there were 60 in my troop and only 11 past so and I was one of the 11 and I was I was young and I could see the the difficulties of joining young I'd say is you take everything to heart so everything to me was real where you've seen some of the older guys they weren't so bothered by some stuff but for me like everything was just it was kind of the end of the world if you didn't pass something or yeah so you talk are you talking about when you say everything's real you talk about good stuff as well as bad stuff are you talking about the experience he's saying then they're kind of numb to things or is he just talking about the bad things in training mate there's no good stuff in training (laughs) (laughs) not not finishing anything just 30 weeks of punishment yeah just so you know obviously the training team they play mind games with you all the time everything's a game it's to test your character it's to build resilience and but you know as the older you get you realize oh yeah this is a game this isn't but as a 17 year old kid I didn't know it was a game or not but you have to turn into a man extremely quickly I mean the way I looked at it is you know when I turned 18 I was straight out on operations in Northern Ireland and my friends were going off to uni and I think they were all still in uni when I was when I'd just done my first tour of Afghanistan so two different completely different paths really isn't it you know so you have to you have to grow up quick extremely quick I would write my will at 18 years old you know and there's people probably my age now still haven't thought about writing a will so um you you have to avoid from that very quickly it is it's very hard because you know you were off going your first tour of Afghanistan. I was off Freshers Week. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's a very it's a very different kind of experience. And that that and you said about them pushing you and testing you. Now most of us are probably aware from clips we've seen on TV of the sort of things you have to go through. But you're going through this horrendously tough experience, which I'm sure you'll say is is necessary and it's part of making the Royal Marines the kind of fighting force it's renowned for but I guess there's another side too because you're taking these young kids you're putting them through all this stuff you're making them very tough but then are you play are you paying the price later on or is it not because of the training is it more the the things you 
unfortunately have to see when you're you know you're off on your tours i think it's a mix mate of so many elements um you have to look at probably why someone's joined the military i think you'll find that a lot of people have probably run away from something or they were causing trouble or there is some people that genuinely just always want to join the military but that that's probably the first reason why some people might have issues later in life is because actually looking back they had issues as an adolescent that is going to come out when you deal with trauma and stuff like that I know I was one of those people um and then yeah Trauma in the military is going to have an effect on you. But the training, look, they're going to make you what they want you to be. They need they need people that can go out there, get the job done. If something happens, they can keep going. Um, so, yes, you are going to get moulded to a degree, um, probably more so if you join at a younger age. Obviously, the older you join, you probably know a little bit more about who you are and things like that, where the younger you join, you'll... You'll be whoever they need you to be. And that's essentially probably what I was. And maybe you don't realise at the time. So, yeah, with, with people having issues and stuff, as you say, like further down the line, I think that's really on an individual basis and there's different reasons for that. So did you, did you felt that you carried some stuff in with you, did you? Yeah, so for me, I'd, I'd struggled with uh, something that happened around 16 and I didn't deal with it. Further down the line, when I'd, being in traumatic incidents in Afghanistan and stuff. Obviously, trauma's trauma. I've not learned how to deal with it at 16, so I ain't going to know how to deal with it in my 20s. And then that hits you then further down the line, um, and I had to, to deal with that stuff, which I have dealt with, which is great. But, you know, one of the things, yeah, I'll be open and honest, uh, when I left the military, you know, I did fall into depression. I was on antidepressants for a couple of years. I did, I did struggle, thankfully, through things like reorg. You know, Rock to Recovery helped me a lot as well. Horses for Forces as well, actually. I did some therapy with horses and all those things. And all those things actually at the time, not not so much real, but the therapies and stuff, they didn't maybe help me at the time, but it was when I was ready to change a couple of years later. That's when it all came back and, and helped me. Because you, you said you didn't know, I think how you put it, you didn't know how to deal with trauma back then. Do you think? Do you think there are good ways to deal with trauma do you think everyone is going to suffer from it to an extent would you think because you know the way the way I took it you're almost thinking well if I did it now it wouldn't be so bad but there must oh, be a yeah. degree to which some of these things are going to be traumatic for anyone I'd have thought no matter yeah, how you exactly they're going to be traumatic for anyone but I guess it's how you deal with it I didn't my way of dealing with trauma is to just not talk about it bury it inside crack on act like everything's okay so that's all it was for me and then it was probably eight years after the way I was when it started to come out. So, um, which is about normal from from what I can see and what I can hear. Eight years later, so so people kind of bury it, don't think about it, don't talk about it, pretend it hasn't happened, pretend you're fine. Yeah. And then years later, you're saying eight years, something like that, it comes out. Well, that that's for me. That was my personal experience, but. You know, as I say, trauma is different for everyone um, and people just deal with it in different ways. Definitely the culture I was in at the time, no one talked about things like that. So I think times are changing. Obviously, people are more vocal about their mental health. I'm quite, I'd say I'm a mental health advocate, but I don't uh, jump on and, and sing about maybe PTSD and things like that. But 
I know it's real, uh, I'm open to people talking about it and things like that, but I think people, my fear of it now, I think it's fantastic people are talking about it, but my fear is almost people can start living in victim mentality if they're not careful. And I was there at one stage as well, I got guilty of that, you know, and that's where, you know, the whole world's against you and poor me and things like that. And it's really hard to move out of that victim mentality. So you have to really realise that you're in there first and that's so hard to to admit that you're in victim mentality. And there's a lot of people like that now uh, suffering in victim mentality. And if they could just realise to get out of that mentality, they could deal with their trauma a lot better. But there's a there's a presumably quite a fine line, isn't there? Because when you say something, someone's got this victim mentality, I mean, you want to, I guess there's a fine line between you want to acknowledge that there's something to be dealt with, but you don't want to let it define you. Is that what you mean? Let you help, exactly. hold you back? Exactly. So that, that becomes, you know, say someone gets diagnosed with PTSD or depression, that then becomes their identity. Hmm. Well, that's who I am now. I'm a depressed person. And they live in that. And they don't have to, they don't have to live in that. And it's realising that. And that, that's the real hard thing to break out from. And I'm not saying that's for everyone. You know, some people have actually some, you know, I, I do believe in the chemical imbalances in your head and things like that. You know, some people are stuck in, in deep depression and stuff. But um, yeah, a lot of it is just to they give themselves that identity now. Once someone's told them that's what they've got, right, well, that's what I've got. Um, I've got PTSD, so I'll, I'll live my life like that. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, I suppose, it's whether you, I suppose it's whether you take the diagnosis and you pause and write, so that's me then. That's what that's what I've got, and that's what I do. Because well, however you deal with it, whether it's therapies, medications, anything like that, you need to do things, don't you? Everyone needs to do things. You know, you need to get on, and it doesn't have to be martial arts or whatever. For but you know, you got to go and do something. Yeah, definitely. So it's looking at, you know, it's about dealing with those root issues, and you got to look at behaviours there. And you know, so f- for me, I was drinking. That obviously, doesn't help if you're suffering from depression or PTSD and things like that, alcohol is not going to help you. It's a natural depressant. So you need to look at that behavior and go, well, is that good for me? Do I enjoy it? Does it help other people? No. Well, let's get rid of that first. And then one of the biggest impactful questions I ever got asked was uh, in a therapy session I had once off Malcolm in Rock to Recovery. And he said to me, the first thing he said, he goes, you don't think it's a strange question, but think about it before you answer it. And he said, do you want to change? And at the time, I were I were quite depressed, um, and I thought, what a stupid question! Of course, I want to change. That's why I'm sat in front of you right now. Like, I want to change, but you know what? When I looked back down the line, right at that time, I didn't want to change. I was happy in my little depressed bubble because you're safe in it. When, so you know, keep the world out. I'm happy in this depressed bubble. So when I look back, and I was like, do you know what? didn't want to change back then and I thought I did and then when I realized no I do want to change that's when my life really did change and uh, started making all the all the positive changes and dealing with stuff and moving forward and doing the right things so sounds stupid but no it doesn't because the reason I scribbled those two things you said down is they're two incredible they're two questions that sound as you said so obvious as to be stupid why would you ask a person this but is that good for me? And do you want to change? See, now, this is that good for me. I, I started asking myself this question, and it sounds stupid. Like, or, or a different one is, why, why am I doing this? You know, I think if, if it's like, if it's the kind of 
possibly unhealthy, possibly lazy choice that you're taking instead of doing some work or something healthy. You, yeah. you, are, you have to ask yourself an honest question. And it amazes me how, how we don't, how we can avoid doing that. We avoid asking ourselves these kind of so simple, they sound dumb, but actually they're fundamental. So is that good for me? And the second one is, do you want to change? And you say you get angry and I, and I completely understand you would be, of course I fucking want to change. Why do you think I'm sat here talking to you? I've got better things to do, but yeah, do you want to change? I.e., are you actually prepared to do something about it? Not do you just kind of, yeah, I, want to, I think I want to change, but are you actually going to do something? Yeah, and it, do you know what? Change, it's not easy. Part of change is it will bring anxiety. It will bring a bit of fear because everybody doesn't like change. But it's interesting what you're saying about you said, why? You know, why do I want to change that? And that's the next step. So for me, I think the first thing you do is you look at those behaviours. So for me, like I said, for example, alcohol, and you can stop those behaviors. But if you don't deal with why you had those behaviors in the first place, those behaviors are going to come back, believe me. And it ha- it's happened to me, it'll happen to everybody. So you have to really deal with the behaviors. So yeah, okay, so they're my behaviors, they're effective behaviors, they're ineffective behaviors. And then go, right, well, why Why am I like that? What? What's my core belief system of why I'm behaving like that? And then that starts going down then, looking within and going... Or maybe I do that because of this. Have I dealt with that? No, maybe not. Right. Well, I need to deal with that then. I need to maybe take that route out of my life. You know, maybe you're involved in a, a negative community or, you know, the environment you're living in is not great. Well, maybe you need to take yourself out of that environment. Maybe you need to cut your way, cut yourself away from those friends. And that's going to, you know, help them breed some healthy nutrition into your life, healthy behaviours and essentially bear some healthy fruit you know so when you found that question stupid do you want to change how long did it take you to actually understand the question you know you know for the question to mean something for you and you to couple years man really yeah yeah honestly wow i I thought i understood it at the time but when you're in that bubble it's just so hard to escape out of so you know at the time i believed i wanted to change but don't realize Sad to explain. Yeah, probably when I quit drinking so a couple of years ago, mate. A couple of years ago. So you mentioned alcohol. I presume, is it kind of, of a big social thing in the military for you? Yeah. Are there you kind of people medicating themselves on tours and things, or is it not? Definitely, mate. So I know times are changing now in the military, but when I was in, it was forced upon you. So now bear in mind, I Forced joined. upon you, sorry. So, oh, definitely, yeah. Really? So we had to do a troop do on a Wednesday night. We had to do a company do on a Thursday night. And, and it's who can drink the more. And uh, and for me, alcohol became, it was a big issue in the Marines, actually. I didn't realise I probably had an issue with alcohol until years later after I'd left and looked back. And I thought, why did no one ever pull me up on that? That's not right drinking. You know, I'd, It wouldn't be unknown for me to drink all through the night and then, do a 10 mile run with the lads in the morning and yeah but it, it was the and culture we were living in at the time it and that would be accept that no one would be judging you for that that would be kind of acceptable thing to do would it back then it was acceptable really? now absolutely not from what i'm getting told which is good to hear but i mean they dry they dried it up a bit have they from what i hear i mean i think there'll always be the military drinking culture there'll be guys listening to this now going what are you on about but i mean guys that know me now and knew me back then depending when you knew me in my career there was some signs i was drinking more than anyone at four or five commando and then i went completely clean and teetotal towards back in my career so 
Well, so, so, so you quit. So you sorry, you quit, you quit drinking while you were still there. When you still serving, time. are you quit? So the first time I quit drinking, I quit for two years, and that was the, the back end of my career. And the reason for that was I, I could see myself quite unhappy. I was I wasn't happy in the Marines. Something wasn't sitting well with me. I wasn't happy in my marriage. I wasn't happy for a few things, and I actually decided to to quit drinking to have a clarity of mind to make some decisions. Um, so I did. So after six months, then I decided to cut my notes and to leave the Marines. I actually looked at the Marines and just thought it was a bit of a dark world, to be honest. Um, just the world I were living in there. I, I just didn't like the, the camaraderie and all things like that. And the Marines is amazing, and that lads are there for you. But at the same time, there's, there's things that just didn't sit well with me. Maybe the belief system I'd, I'd got through my faith or what have you, but there were things weren't sitting well with me. So for me, I, I had to leave the military to be who I was, to be my authentic self. And although that brought its own challenges when I did leave, because I didn't know who I was, it was the right decision definitely for me to do. You mentioned your faith before. Now, for people who are just listening to the audio and can't see your your handsomely tattooed arm sleeves that you've got that you've got here, that I, I don't know, it's like when someone talks about faith, I just it's always interesting to see someone who just doesn't look like what you'd, what you'd <laughs> probably, Christian. yeah yeah and the and the probably the probably the christian church probably wants a few like you know people that don't look like what you'd expect <laughs> because you know like it or not the christian church has got that kind of like just thinking of a nice way of saying it but that kind of like i suppose buttoned up untattooed image hasn't it the, the, church, the church really maybe i don't know i haven't been yeah, in one. I've mean, been in one in a while but Okay. Yeah, my church is maybe slightly different, a bit more modern. There's mm. definitely not the only one with tattoos, but um, no, you're right, mate. When when I first started seeking God, if you will, and going to church, one of the first things I worried about, I was going with long sleeve top on, and I've got a big cauliflower ear and all that. <laughs> and I'm, just, like, I'm not going to be welcome here, but obviously the whole point in Christianity that everybody's welcome. So that was my own... Well, exactly what you said, you know, you've just envisioned a way of what it would, of what a Christian should look like. And, you know, I had that exact same picture, mate, and thought I'd be judged like the rest of them. You know, I've got my hands tattooed and everything, but... Yeah, there's no sleeve. You can't have long enough sleeves to cover the hands, getting gloves, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <They> never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, so that was a big impact as well for me. You know, I'd say one of your two big, well, other than my daughter, and... Um, so my daughter, Rio, Zoom Jiu-Jitsu and my Christian faith are definitely the big changing factors in my life. You got your faith when you were still serving, right? You were... Yeah, that's when I started, yeah. There's not so much of a... I mean, we talked about the drinking culture. I'm presuming there's not so much of a faith culture, is there? I wouldn't have... In the Marines? Yeah. Absolutely not. No, um, no there's not. And actually, it was something that quite annoyed me after I left and looked back that... I don't remember like anyone coming around the units and do it. yes, every unit's got a padre and some, some padres were really great. One that pops to me head instantly is a guy called Bill Gates. Brilliant. But a lot of them, they actually almost joining with the lads, you know, drinking and things like that. And for me, looking back, they're meant to be like an example for you. Mm. It just wasn't there. No. And since I've left as well, I've found that there is people who work for the army and the navy to go around camps and talk about faith well i did, almost did 13 years and i never come across them once so i would question what they're doing but maybe they just didn't want to come up to four or five commando in scotland maybe they right. you know, stick to the southern units yeah. <laughs> but no probably your most kind of 
the Christian faith, the most you'll see of it a lot of the time is uh, the Fijians are quite Christians. Other than that, I never came across it in the military at all. And what about with it? What about now with your kind of other former Royal Marines? Do you talk about faith with them, or is it something you kind of keep for your uh, I'm very, for a separate part of your life? I kind of I joke about this, but I always say I'm an open closed book. Like I'm I'm closed book, and essentially I have small circles and. Uh, don't feel like I need to share every bit of my life. But at the same time, if anybody asks me anything about my life, I'm more than happily share it. So I am open about my faith. Definitely. Like if you follow me on Instagram, I'm a Salt Fitness UK, you know, I'll always, there'll always be some sort of mention of my faith. It's important to me. And no, I definitely don't hide it. So, I suppose yeah. it's, 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 there's two different things, isn't it? It's, it's uh, yeah, answering if you're asked, but it's not necessarily introducing it to the conversation because some people are quite uncomfortable with it, aren't they? I think some people... Yeah, look, definitely. Uh, I'm not one to throw it in your face, but at the same time, I'm, I, I do talk about my faith a lot. Uh, I, I don't feel like I, I ram it down people's throats. I've certainly never been told I have, but uh, essentially it's you know who I am. It's part of who I am now, so it's part of my identity. So what, why would I not mention it? <laughs> not shame. No, 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 exactly. Exactly. It's just one that, yeah, you don't... Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a strange one, isn't it? Because um, yeah, I think we lot, most of us kind of do hymns at school. Yeah, it's a funny culture we live in, isn't it? Cause yeah, a lot, of people, a lot of well, I was talking to a friend last night about this. Your dog tags in the military. You know, I had C of E on my dog tags. I didn't even know what C of E was. You know, Church of England. And you you look at most guys' dog tags in the Marines. They all say C of E. Oh, do they? You guys are pretty quick to say. You know the they're a Christian essentially by having that on your dog tags but I think it's just because of our culture isn't it from being children of you know just so you're one by default you mean yeah whether you, yeah, you, know, you, just, if, you don't, if you don't specify your one your church <laughs> yeah, you yeah well it's interesting I mean little story that uh, the guy I mentioned Manny that got us to join the Marines you know I know I mentioned it to you before but and myself my, my best friend that he also got to join and him ended up in the same location in Afghanistan. And unfortunately, he died on that tour. And that was actually when I started asking questions about, hold on, where's he gone? Like, why am I here? I started asking these existential questions. And that's what kind of led me searching. Now, it was a long journey from then. You know, I, basically after that, I, I actually asked the Padre to come to a fob and give me a christening and at the time it was a bit of a joke to all the lads I had two sergeants who ended up being my godfathers and kind of the fob came around but it was a nice morale boost as well for the fob you know and it was good um but I came home and I wasn't I didn't live a christian lifestyle or anything but that was probably definitely the start of when my my cogs in my head started to turn and I started seeking but it definitely wasn't when I started changing my ways of life it's interesting because you mentioned this guy before I should say his, his full name so Manny you called him and it John Henry Manuel John Henry Manuel sorry yeah and I, so I looked him up after you mentioned to me before and you know he looked like this lovely kind of older guy who must have you know served a long time and he because he was yeah yeah he weren't far off his time and you, you mentioned awful losing your friend and someone you looked up to like that but you mentioned this time that that kind of kicked off your faith but I think when we spoke before you also said that was the start of I think I think you put it something like that was when you started having some real mental health issues. That was when sort of you mentioned this this thing happening twice, and I guess it started off a good and a bad thing in a, in a way. If that's you know in your head, there's always some goodness that will come with some bad, mate. Yeah. So 
yeah, it was definitely, you know, it was a traumatic day for us that we'd lost three guys that day. Four, if you include Jamie Fellows, who died about a kilometre down the road. And it wasn't the first friend I lost and it wasn't the last friend I lost even on that tour. But so definitely, you know, I came home from that tour. I'd just lost Manny, you know, Birch and Demo died that day. I was involved in trying to treat Demo. And then just a couple of months later, um, Danny Winters had died. He was one of my best friends. And so there was a lot of grief and loss. And then I came home, but my daughter was due to be born. So I had all this inner turmoil that I'd not dealt with because you've got to keep working while you're out there. And then I had to be excited. I was excited. All I ever wanted was a child, but my child were born. So that were great. And then I got married and then that were great. And then hold on. So they're the two highs. And then what's going to come from that? Yeah. Now I'm going to start, you know, dealing with the effects of, of what I've just left. So, and then it was a slow process of struggle, which I amassed for years just through alcohol. And I don't mean I was drunk every day, but you know, I was, I just masked, I masked the issues. And essentially when you start doing that and you're not being true to yourself, that's when issues are going to arise. You're not being, you're not living in, you're not being truthful to yourself on, on the issues you're having. And once you try and mask those, you know, problems will arise. Did you ever have, were you ever diagnosed with anything? Or just... Yeah, I mean, I, I never usually say, yeah, a doctor diagnosed me with PTSD and depression. Uh, it's not something I really advertised of. I'm not sure whether I believe I do have PTSD, but, I think doctors are very quick to throw that label at you just because they see you depressed. You've been through some traumatic incidents. You're struggling with it. You're battling with it. And once they, you know, you've been in the military, they're very quick to whack that label on you. But I'm very careful not to throw that one out there a lot. I, I was definitely depressed, mate. I was definitely struggling. Whether I would say I had PTSD is a different story. But yes, I'm probably on my medical records, it'll tell you different. Well, I mean, I, I, this has come up with a few of the, the boys. One one guy I was talking to for Reorg and he talked about PTSD and then later said, actually, mate, can you not say PTSD? Because I don't think I've got it. But like you said, another guy said, he put it in a way that stuck with me because he said, I don't think you can see the things we see and not have problems. You know, you think, so he basically said everyone who's been, you've done three tours, right? He says everyone. Four tours, yeah. Four says everyone um everyone has problems and whether like whether it's diagnosed as PTSD or not I mean it's is a lot of it's down to where a particular professional puts the bar you know so to say that this person definitely does this person definitely doesn't have PTSD you could probably make a case for every single person 100% but I I mean I truly believe that you know, the military, obviously, everyone looks at them exactly what you're talking about there and we've been through traumatic incidents, but everybody in life has, you know, everybody has. No one walks through this life without dealing with some sort of trauma in life. So it's just all about how you deal with it. What coping mechanisms do you have? I guess it's knowing when, the, sorry, knowing when there's a time for toughness because, you know, military needs tough people. They can't have people that are, that are kind of going to crumble at the yeah. first sign of trouble. But at the same time, you need to know when it's time to... Kind of put the brakes on and deal with things. This is the true element of why it's so amazing what Sam's done with Ryog. So he's realised it's the transition. So you're exactly right in what you say there. You have to be tough when you're in the Marines and you've just got to have that resilience and go through. No matter what situation comes in front of you, keep ploughing through, ploughing through. That's fantastic. You are serving your purpose as a frontline soldier and fantastic you're doing the job where the problem arises 
is when you stop doing that job. So when you leave, whether that's whether you've been forced to leave, whether you've left out a choice, whether your time's done, it doesn't matter. Once you stop, that's when all those things that you've maybe just ploughed through because you have to, because that's your job, good. That's when you've got to start dealing with them when you leave. But then you've got new challenges that you're trying to face, getting a job, you know, keeping your family. A lot of guys struggle with relationships because they've just spent a lot of time being away from their partners and then they come back in their in their faces. And so it's when they leave, that's when they've got to deal with all those stuff. So yeah, you'll find a lot of the time in the military, not a lot of guys would maybe have issues in the military, as in would stop them doing their job. But when they leave, that's when you start seeing them all. That's Most of the guys I know that have committed suicide, have tried to commit suicide, that's all after they've left. Yes, it does happen sometimes in the, while you're serving, but the majority is when they've left, when they've lost that identity, lost the purpose. There's no reason to be tough and gung-ho anymore, right? That's when they start dealing with all these things. But there's no one around them. So mm-hmm. there's no support network. And that's what Rio provides, puts you in another support network. Yeah, you made, me, you made me think of another thing someone else said, which was that he just put it simply in one line and it never it really hit home to me. He said, um, I've lost more friends to suicide since leaving the military than I ever lost in Afghanistan. And now we know, like, you know, there were times in Afghanistan where, you know, we were losing people every day, pretty much. So this the thought that, you know, you know, people are aware of the cost from the news stories. This this side of it, that it kind of happens away from the public view, you know. So everyone knows we've lost, sadly, a ton of people in Afghanistan. But the fact that, I don't know whether, how, how this chimes with your experience, but the fact that that number is could be potentially dwarfed by people taking their own lives is a horrendous. Yeah, I've, I've uh, lost a few mates to suicide, been to a few funerals and... Um, yeah it's probably it's not too far tipping the scales that way mm. to actually die in Afghanistan still a problem with lads still you know that's it's so you'll find the big support for lads uh, is each other you know just checking in with each other all the time buddy buddy system but yeah that's why you know I can see why Sam Sheriff's so compassionate about Rio and do you know what will be interesting now you know obviously knowing Sam Sam's only just left hasn't he mm. so it's going to be really interesting now because now Sam's going to be going through his transition he's already created the support network with the reorg and everything that he's done so uh, you know I actually think Sam will be fine because of you know he's a switched on cookie as well and and he, he knows what he's doing but it'll be really interesting for him now to go through the transition and he'll, he'll see why what he's created is so beneficial. He will have known it before, but now he's going to be living in it. <laughs> so, Yeah, definitely. And definitely. And I think he's seen so many, so many people. I mean, everyone I've talked to who's been involved with Real has sung his praises for how, you know, he's there for someone who just kind of, know, it's a kind of gentle, other people have told me this story as well, that it's a gentle easing people in a direction you think because you can't go you can't go up to someone and go you know you look like your own problems I know how to fix them but he sort of gently lures people towards he's empathetic isn't he 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 understands you know he won't have escaped trauma in his own life and he understands how to deal with it and he does it very well yeah yeah as as we're saying I mean no one will have no one will have escaped it Can can I ask you about your business now 
Uh, yeah, the, the, the green so, the, the green dot retreat on Instagram. Yeah, so basically, what I decided to do is, so when I left the military, I went into the education system for a couple of years. I was um, like a high support worker for youths that were struggling with education. So a big part of my job was mentoring in that. And then I wanted to do more with adults for their mental health, and got my PT qualifications and set up Assault Fitness UK. So, you're, so these are your two Instagrams, right? So you're with the, the Green Dot Retreat and Assault Fitness UK. Assault Fitness yeah. is your personal one, right? That's my personal one, yeah. It's, it's a good, so. tough army-sounding one, you know? <laughs> Sorry, not army. M- military, yeah. I didn't actually uh, name that business. My friend named it, but I just ran with it. it yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so that was then my PT business, and I ended up being like a fitness consultant for some companies as well and helped them create fitness apps and things like that. And then... I've just literally just moved away from that kind of consultancy world and decided to start up my own mentoring business. So I've got one in the Green Retreat, that's with Lammy, who's also a former Marine. Uh, and we're creating this kind of environment for people to be able to grow themselves, learn more about themselves. We're getting guest speakers in, we're giving them different tools on how to deal with stuff, on how to, you know, things like goal setting. But also like what I've talked about tonight, you know, um, not today, uh, dealing with you know your behaviours, your core beliefs, your roots, what you're feeding from, talking about transition and resilience, and you know how to reset, and just so many elements to to the mental health side of things. We just want to help people with life and with self development, get people searching within more. So that's kind of the green retreat, and we're looking at doing five different workshops. So we've got our first one this Saturday on the eighth of May in Leicester, and then. That's the direction that'll go. And then I've got another mentor in business with um, my good friend, Shanae's Reed. So she's two-time Olympian. BMXing bike. star, I remember. Yeah. And track cycling. Oh, yeah, I remember the BMXing. But yeah, there's the tracks. She went on, she, she changed and won loads of stuff at a different kind of cycling, right? Yeah, she just gave track cycling a go and won the world to that. She, I think she's the only person to ever win track cycling and BMX world champs in the same year, and I I'm pretty sure she did it two years in a row as well. Um, and yeah, she's got a couple of world records and stuff, but she's really passionate as well about mental health and about, uh, Sinead has battled. She obviously got to the top of the game and then uh, crashed at the Olympics and stuff and had a lot of stuff to deal with. And then she ended up battling alcohol, uh, but she's been, she's a big advocate of AA and she's been sober for like three and a half years now. Uh, so she's really passionate about helping others. So we've got such a similar mindset. So we're also setting up um, a mentor business, but that'll be more kind of corporate based and charity based uh, doing stuff with them. Uh, so, yeah, so basically, you know, for me, it, all, what's important to me now is kind of giving back to others. I just want to like enrich other people's lives in any way I can. And I see the best tool of doing that is through mentoring. So I've, I've set up these two different companies essentially with two different people, but, both with the same purpose for me, which is helping others, um, yeah, with the mental health and their growth. Sounds uh, sounds really interesting. When you got yourself into this much better place, then when lockdowns and everything came, did it? Did you just see this as another test, or were you like, "Oh, this is going to ruin everything"? I'm going to be honest, mate. So you got to be careful. What you say a lot of people have been affected by lockdown, haven't they? Quite quite badly. So. I feel for those people, but for me, I loved it um, from the aspect of I had already dealt with all these issues 
that my mental health was so strong when lockdown happened. I almost embraced the the isolation. The you know, I, I instantly was straight into a routine. You know, day one, boom, great, fantastic. I'm not going to stay in bed till nine, ten o'clock because I'm on isolation. I'm getting up at five, six o'clock. And I'm going to get things done and to do list on the board and. That's when I did all this planning for all the stuff to come. So I just really thought, you know what, this time it's going to be, um, it's a one-off this time where you, you are stuck in your house. So make use of it, read loads of books. I got, I was homeschooling my daughter, which I loved when she was in primary school and then secondary school. She's So she's changed from primary to secondary during that. Loads of time with her, you know, I, I, physical-wise, you know, yes, I couldn't lift weights anymore, but that's okay. I was running and I was doing my bodyweight exercises. And I just, for me, like, I didn't mind it. I am starting to realise now, you know, you still need that community. That's what's really important. And that's what I need to feed back into now. Because uh, I can almost sometimes become too isolated. I do enjoy my own space, but I understand the importance of community. But Lockdown for me, uh, I, I really feel like I utilised that time in, in the best method possible. I think, in fact, I, I ran out of time. I almost didn't have enough time to do all the stuff I wanted to do in it. But um, well, that's good. No, I'm I'm glad you said that because I when when um when you said I probably should be careful what I say, I thought you were then going to be a lockdown denier, which is you know is, is people can be lockdown deniers if they want. That's but but you know I've had that I've had that conversation with people a few times. Unfortunately, it doesn't go anywhere. But like you're you're, you're the first person who's actually who's put it that positively, like that you saw it as an opportunity. But I think I think really that's that's sort of the only way with anything that could be seen as adversity. You kind of have to see it as well. This is your challenge for now. And as you say. We're never going to get that amount of time with our kids again. So we just have to, we, we, might, as well, we might as well have enjoyed it, you know. 100%. And it's hard. I've seen people that were really struggling with anxiety and stuff through it. But a lot of the things I thought, I'll be honest, mate, I kept myself in a bubble, uh, as in I didn't watch the news. So I, I would maybe once a week have a fast off uh, Instagram and things like that. But I'll be honest, my inst- people moan about the social media. My social media is all positive because I follow things that interest me. And I think that's the beauty of Instagram. You know, if you're finding social media negative, you're following the wrong people, get rid of them off your feed. So I'm really, people just think about nutrition, what you're feeding yourself, what you put in your mouth. Nutrition for me is everything that comes into my world. So if I won't, I don't watch things that I, I don't agree with, I don't like to listen to things. Yes, okay, it's good to keep updated with the world, but people were getting obsessed by the news and they were watching it every day and it was causing them anxiety and anger. Well, I just took that out and didn't watch it. And guess what? I didn't get that anxiety and anger. I just listened out for what the rules might be coming up. All right. So we can go and see people in six weeks time. Great. I'll watch the news again in six weeks time and see what they say then, you know, so. There's a, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be said for that. I think, cause yeah, I, I did the same for a lot of the time. You have to, you have to cut off for it because otherwise it'll drive drive you crazy my wife was going guess what you know i'm like i, I, don't, I don't need to I know get i get why people are like that as well you know I, I get both sides of the coin i would just argue that my side's a bit healthier well i was i was a news journalist for years so you know i i, I would never get out of this habit of having to know everything that's going on all the time right because yeah. if that's your job you need to you oh. need to be you need to know makes sense but you know if it's your job cool you've got to do it but 
if you don't need to do it for work purposes, what are you doing it for? I like the fact that you call that you extend nutrition beyond food. Cause mm. yeah, obviously food is, a, is very important, but yeah, the other, every, what about everything else you're consuming, you know, watching and reading, if you're reading negative stuff or stuff that's making you feel bad about your own life, you're basically, you're eating shit food, aren't you? You know, 100%. That's why, you know, I love getting recommendations for books, for podcasts, for people to follow. You know, I, I love that because that's what I want to feed myself with. I don't want to feed myself with conspiracy theories and negativity and yeah, it's a very, or things, things to be cross about. That's what, that, 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 that's the thing. That's the thing I, I, I problem I always had with news is that, you know, people, even working for broadsheets, naming their names as I, as I do, they, they're, they're not there to simply inform you. They're there to, they're, they're working you because they know, they know what pushes, they know what pushes your buttons. And like, do you really want to spend your day being given manufactured anger that someone has spent time you know, working on because they know it's going to get you going. I mean, and that's... that all goes as well. Like, just think about how you start your day. Then, what are you going to feed yourself with this that day? You know, I have a, a no matter what, I have the same routine every day where I know I feed myself with. You know, I get up first thing, I walk straight into a cold shower like, instantly. And still to this day, I'll have this like battle of meds. Oh, I can't be bothered turning that on, but I turn it on. You always feel amazing after it. Do you go straight in cold? Getting cold, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, get it done. Once you get over that half a second, then you're all right, you know. And then I come down and I do a three minute journal in the morning three things I'm grateful for. So, uh, write down how I'm going to make today great and a positive affirmation. And then I read like a little Christian word for the day and a couple chapters in the Bible. That's how I start my day, right? So now mentally, right, I'm not allowed to touch my phone before this. I know I've started off in a positive way. Now, whatever the day brings, I can now deal with. I then attack the day ready. I don't let the day surprise and attack me. Um, so it's just so important. And then obviously you, you need to, however you deem eating healthy is, is uh, you feed yourself some good nutrition in the morning food wise. Yeah keep, yeah. keep nourishing ourselves, good food. And the the routines are very important. Like um, if yeah. you don't, if you don't have a time in the day where you've decided you're going to exercise, for example, for me, like if it's not a day when that's when the exercise is done and you don't have to, even if you, I, I'd never have days when I wouldn't exercise, but even when it's a day you think, oh, I'll do it later, you fit it in later, already yeah. you kind of got that uncertainty. Yeah. Now I'm just up and out on my bike, you know, yeah, without, without thinking about it. And that's so important as well. And physical exercise is a massive, massive one. But I think what I'm kind of most happy with myself at the minute as well is I looked at exercise, especially when I was doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a lot. I used to train twice a day Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I realised looking back, I was using it as an escape in the end. And that's not always good either. It's a, it's good. It's a good tool to have, but don't use it just to escape your issues. And pe- that's what people use the gym for and things like that. So now I, I, I'm at a great place in my life where physical fitness Yes, I enjoy it and it's important to me and it definitely helps my mental health. But also if I miss a couple of days, I'm okay. Where back a few years ago, if I didn't train every day, I'd have a wobble in my head and I don't have that anymore. So that just, it's a little reminder for me of, oh yeah, I've actually come on. You know, I, I really have 
self-developed I really have worked on myself enough that I don't I don't need any of these things that I put in place for my mental health they're just a benefit for me and I know the benefits of them but now I don't need them which is really good for me so is that is that how you distinguish the fact that you could you could miss it if you needed to without it being yeah and I think you'll find most you look at most people that go to the gym and stuff if they don't go to the gym for a couple of days watch their mental health uh, and that's when you just need to ask the question so I'm a, are you doing it to why are you training are you doing it to keep saying are you doing it because it makes you feel good and the, there is a difference when you look within I suppose people might not know which they are because there's there's doing it because it helps because it yeah. keeps you fit and keeps you all, all the stuff we've been talking about and then there's doing it because it's masking it but there must be some people they're not sure which it is 100% loads of people definitely that's why people overtrain, isn't it? And it's probably a bit of, but probably a bit of both. You know, there's a. Yeah, I mean, I suppose at least the way I look at it, at least if it is a mask, at least it's a healthy one rather than you know. Crack it's a cocaine. healthy mask, and you're exactly right. It's a healthy mask, so that's okay to a degree. But what happens if they get injured? What happens if something happens where they can't train? And that's when I'm concerned. Or well, what? What's your mental health going to do now? So you know, for me. I love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It massively helps me. I haven't trained in a year now because of, of lockdown. Well, guess what? I'm still saying, where if that if you took Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu away from me maybe three years ago, my head would have fell off <laughs> because I needed it. I know it. what you mean. I know what you mean. And, I've, and I, the reason I'm asking you is because I'm, I'm probably trying to figure out where, where, I, where I am <laughs> on the scale. But no, I, think, I, think, I think you're right. I think um, you have to be prepared to be injured. Or, or have a you know you have to be because everyone gets injured at some point so you have to think if I get injured will I fall apart or will I think oh great I've got six weeks off to work on other things exactly change the direction of it I think I have moved away from that because I I, I saw I've seen time offers yeah you, you know work on things I'm not good at so mobility and things like that things that yeah. get push get pushed away maybe it got pushed aside by you know training spending the time doing proper training you know yeah so so yeah i suppose that's the distinction yeah, isn't it if you got injured would you would your world fall apart or would you be fine with it and just accept it as part of the yeah. and if you're not fine with it then okay it's it's normal to be feel uncomfortable and not happy that you're injured but at the same time your world shouldn't fall apart because you can't do jiu-jitsu or go to the gym yeah you should be annoyed you can be annoyed but you don't want to be like exactly. distraught exactly so you just need to work out why you do certain things but that's just another thing of looking within looking within yourself and dealing yeah. with the process and we're, it's a journey that we're all on yeah um, you made, made me think some good <laughs> well i think we should i think we've done enough haven't we we've done enough to justify ourselves this bank holiday we're recording this <laughs> it's fantastic because is there anything else you need to is there anything else you need to tell is there anything else i f- failed to ask you always is probably most most of the things i meant to ask you i've forgotten about but you know i feel like i don't like uh talking about brazilian jiu-jitsu without thanking uh dean robertson because dean robertson was the one to get me into brazilian jiu-jitsu so when i joined four five commando i was a black belt in judo but dean had the mma club and um I went there and he batted me. And then he was like a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I thought, I'm going to batter you. I'm a black belt in Judo. And he tied me in knots as a blue belt does on the ground because Judo wasn't 
massively ground based and there. Uh, and yeah, so I'm always grateful for him for introducing me to the sport because that then led me to go off to Brazil and do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And then that led to when Sam came up to the unit and we trained together. And then just to watch from where, you know, from Sam starting it to what he's created now, I just think is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I really tip my hat to everything he's done and thank him as well. Yeah, so, so, Sam, Sam Sheriff at Real Jiu-Jitsu. Great, it's a great... It's a great charity. He's done. He's done brilliant things with it. It's just, yeah. I mean, jiu-jitsu clubs throughout the world now. Yeah, you know, military guys can just ring them up. I know Sam. Everyone knows who he is, and it's just more and more clubs. Mm. Roger Gracie helping us out. You know, little names like that. You know, <laughs> great. <laughs> Can't be bad. Okay, so Sam led former Royal Marines commando. Your your on Instagram is. The Green Dot Retreat is your mentoring business. And Assault Fitness UK is your other Insta. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, it's been fantastic to talk to you, Sam. Thanks so much. Best of luck with everything. No, thanks a lot, Damien. It's been great chat. And thanks for making me think more about why I train and what could be going on in my mind. Good, pleasure. (laughs) Sam, thanks very much. All the best. No worries. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks again to Sam Laird. His mentoring business is The Green Dot Retreat on Instagram and his and his other one is Assault Fitness UK. The Green Dot Retreat on Instagram and Assault Fitness UK. Real that we talked about is realcharity.com. Healthy Beast is at Healthy Beast Podcast on Instagram. Thank you very much for listening.